0: You are a public servant. It shouldn't be so difficult to talk to you. We got troubled yeah. by President Ramaphosa. Being a majority in parliament doesn't mean we can easily just sweep something under the carpet. Show me a senior ANC politician. Exactly. That's been in court. You won't find it. Actually, I, exactly what I said to him to say, and he was saying, oh, sometimes we get it right, sometimes we get it wrong. on No, mostly you get it wrong. You know, sort of squeeze all the sentiments in this one hour interview. But that's what people are feeling. They're feeling robbed, they're feeling betrayed.
1: The season of in experience hard cost. Spread the fire. Welcome back to SMWX. Professor Tabane, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, It's really a pleasure
0: to have you. Thank you, Sude. Thank you for inviting me.
1: What was it like to interview the president? If anyone has not seen your interview with President Ramaphosa, you had 17 minutes and you managed to deliver one of the most masterful political interviews I've seen with President Ramaphosa in that time. Take us through behind the scenes, what was it like to interview him? He gives very few interviews, and you had a chance. You cornered him, I think, 72 times in 17 minutes. What was that like?
0: Look, I mean, first of all, thank you. I mean, uh, it's good to always get feedback, but that kind of interview is highly pressured. First of all... We, we, we get it once a year, clearly, because the last time I interviewed him was a year ago in Pulukwane, on the sidelines of January 8, straight after his speech in the afternoon we went there. This year we are planning to do the same thing. We're in Kimberley, no, not Kimberley, Bloomfontein, and then they suddenly said, no, well, he's not available, please you know, we we're going to Cape Town, and then suddenly it became Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. So we were in, in, in bloom to interview him. That's, re- that's the only reason I went there, clearly. I wasn't yeah. there to cover the thing, because we've got uh, many, many, many capable political reporters who do that very well. Yeah. So now we had to come back to Jobeck in a hurry. You know, we flew back this uh, Sunday, and then there we are, and then... Pule Mabi, this story needs to be told because it has, to do, it has to do with how the ANC operates in terms of its communications. He says, well, no, let's, let's just do a choir interview. So all the broadcasters in one room, just interview him and you have got an hour. And we said no. You know, we argued with him. It was quite an ugly scene there. And he, he and Muzundile came to blows. Actually, Dile from the SABC mm-hmm. came to blows about it. And eventually we agreed, okay, 20 minutes each person. Mm-hmm. Right, one after the other. So that will still be your one hour. But, you know, because when you're interviewing somebody in a choir format, in you know, a press conference format, it's not easy to follow up because you are the only one who knows what's your line of questioning. But the person who's conducting the choir, in this case, Pulema, would cut you and say, you know, ask your next question or I can't, you can't follow up, let's ask somebody else. And when it's getting heated, he can even intervene. So we wanted to avoid that. Right. Uh, so uh, President Ramaphosa has run away from the press. It's always, it, it's, that's what makes it difficult. If I've spoken to him a year ago, you can imagine how many things I want to ask him. Mm-hmm. Since last year's SON, yeah. since last year's January 8th. And so, so when you have 20 minutes, you have to pick one or two issues. So I thought I'll pick Palapala because it was topical. Yeah. But of course not topical for the NC delegates, by the way. They didn't bother. Yeah, yeah. 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 just topical for all of us. <laughs> and then pick ESCOM which has proved now that it's, it is a crisis. In fact, I'll be re- repeating uh, one small clip of that in my, in my show to just demonstrate that he is, I use the word blasé, right? Because he says, oh, no, 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 don't ask me. You want me to comment about everything? I said, no, no, I don't want you to comment about everything and the fly that's on my forehead, as he said. I want you to comment about ESCOM, right? Because it is uh, actually a very, very crucial issue. And with those kind of interviews, the nuance can get lost. So, for example, I said to him, "Were you briefed that the CEO, why the CEO was fired?" Mm-hmm. I was quite deliberate about it. I, did, I didn't. I was not mistaken. Yeah. And then he says, "No, no, no. He didn't resign. He, you know, he didn't. He was not fired. He resigned." Yeah. But actually, my information is that he was fired. Hmm. And all I wanted to test was whether a head of state is he briefed about a serious situation like the departure of an ESCOM CEO. The reality is, and the board chair. Of Eskimo come and talk to me again deny if he, if he likes that the board was unhappy with him they put to him several uh, issues including malfeasance in tenders in things like that I can only summarize right that were, were, they were difficult for him to answer and he had to go Right. And, and what they did behind the scenes to try to cushion it so that he, he exits with dignity and three months and what, uh, it's neither here nor there. It doesn't, it doesn't make him not to be fired. But of course, they'll deny that, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm used to that kind of thing. But I'm waiting for the chair of ESCOM to come and clarify for me what actually went down. So so those are uh, so, so like I'm saying in 17 minutes. You can't uh, pursue those nuances. So I couldn't say to him, no, 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 no." he was fine. I tried to argue with him. We tried to just get what you can and run. I don't think people
1: appreciate how difficult it actually is because you see an interview and you always think, oh, I could have done that or I could have said that. But I remember when I interviewed former President Uzuma, right? I had been very – and I was still quite new at interviewing and I'd been very critical of him. But when he came in the room, I just – I was like, I'm actually going to interview – like I've, this person who I've only ever seen on TV. And you can't underestimate that when a president walks in a room and you have hard questions to ask, it might have an impact. What was it like, and, and how do you deal with an interview like that where you've got the most powerful person in the country and you have to actually ask difficult questions? It's not an easy thing to do, just on a personal
0: level. It's true. I mean, it has to do with how many years you have done this. Um, so with President Ramaphosa, we've developed like a banter each time we meet. And he's a little blunt with me when he, you know, even off camera. For example, in 2019, when we launched Newsroom Africa, uh, you know, I I made a suggestion that look, we're launching a new channel. We should get our first interview, must be the head of state when we open. And for weeks he had refused. His officer said, Not not a chance, because it was a week before an election, and they thought this is going to be bad. So I met him at the funeral. I think it was Nomvulam Koyane's husband's funeral. And he was standing alone with his bodyguard. And he invited me to come into this security circle to talk to him. And it was just me and him. No aides, no uh, you know, hangar-ons, just me and him. And he said to me with a straight face, you ask too many awkward questions. So I doubt I'm going to come. So I said, no, Mr. President. Wow. Please don't worry. Right, and I, this was just me and him. There's a clip on Twitter where I look at him funny, and people used to they say, Me, but this is what happened within us. So I said to him, No, it don't be so bad because it don't just be me, it will be my colleagues. I'm going to have Kathy McLatlana, I'm going to have uh, Tulas and to be a round table, a nice round table, head of stadium, we a new channel, please do come. I mean, this is what happened behind the scenes. It's not like you have to come, you have to beg somebody and make him feel it's going to be comfortable. I said, it's a week before elections. I mean, we wouldn't want to have a bad interview. I mean, imagine how me saying that to him. right? And I know it's going to be a bad interview, but I had to tell him, sorry, just come, you know. And then Zizi, who's a friend of mine, and we've, been, uh, you know, we've known each other for, for years, called me afterwards and said, no, what did you say to the president? He came to the office and changed his mind. And we told him, we know you, that when lights are on, you, know, you, you lose all respect for anybody in front of you. <laughs> so anyway, long story short, he came and was bad. We had budgeted an hour and a half, and then at 60 minutes, the director said to us in our ear, you've got to stop now. They're coming to extract him.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's how bad. You was going to watch that interview. It was becoming bad was so the So interesting
1: end. because people don't understand yeah. what happens behind an interview yeah. and what it takes yeah. to they get say, an interview.
0: Do you? What are you going to ask him? I said yeah. I, I have a standard answer, and I've interviewed people for years. I've been on air since twenty or twenty sixteen, and, I've, I've, and, and my, my whole approach when I, when I took over Power Perspective on, on Power FM. Was that I'm gonna? I want all these ministers, all of them. I made a list from from uh, the president down, and I haven't managed to interview uh, JZ. You beat yeah, me to I'm it, <laughs> but everybody else. the yeah. levels to the case. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Everybody else has "Come." And the the idea was, we come and have an open conversation with politicians. Yeah. The way you invited me here, you didn't say this is a list. No, we're having an open conversation. If you are a politician, you are paid to do this thing. You must be able to to budge. Yeah, sure on your on your work right throughout i can help you with some broad themes but ready to be a whole list of the agenda so uh, you know zizi and his team says what are you going to talk about i gave him six themes i said health education all the things that are important you know but not what are you going to ask i have a standard answer with that if you say to me what are the questions i ask you what are the answers <laughs> because uh, how will I follow up? So it's not fair that I give you your questions. You don't tell me how you're going to answer. So I don't know how to follow up. So rather, let's just have an open conversation um, uh, to do that. So, so there is that behind the scene thing of, but that's what I've always said to people. You know, the whole time that I've been on air, each time you ask somebody, um, for example, it took me six months to get to my to his first interview. <laughs> But um, but the second interview took an hour to persuade him because I was launching a new TV show on SABC. The president canceled me because it was a weekend where they were going to fire Jacob Zuma. So he canceled. He said, I can't come because I can't talk about this. So I said to Mohen, Mohen, you're the next best thing. Please, can you come? He he left Mabatu to to come and talk to me. Mm. But the first request took six months. The next one took another six months, so it's no formula. Uh, The recent one that I had with him, you know, when when he was finished as Chief Justice, uh, he said, the Lord is is still uh, talking to me. When the Lord has spoken, I'll come. I said, let's wait for the Lord. And I folded my arms. And then whenever he was ready, he said, the Lord has said yes. I said, right here are the dates. Please come. Uh, So there's a lot of behind the scenes. And with the guests that we usually have on my shows, this take long to organize sometimes, because it has to do with the comfort levels, but it also has to do with the political timing. Take, for example, interviewing somebody like Minister susul Minister susul has done everything not to come and talk to me for the whole of last day after she wrote that controversial opinion piece, or supposedly wrote it, right? she refused to come she even insulted me you know on whatsapp you know i, I don't know that she was not afraid i could just publish the whatsapps but i just thought whatever i just told her you are a public servant it shouldn't be so difficult to talk to you on that was my my shot shot. after I, that's when i've given up on you now basically i'm saying you come you don't come it's your problem she was on my show two months ago because now suddenly she's a campaigner to be in office that the situation is different and the people around there say, hey, that's is, this is the show to be yeah. if you want a lot of people to hear you. And in any event, look at your competitors have been there, etc. Yeah. Right? So, so a lot of work that goes into just getting the guests mm. and talking to you. But remember, I'm not a journalist. So I don't uh, worry too much about people second-guessing my, my interviews. The reality is within an hour, which I have now, which is actually less than an hour because they sell 15 minutes of that time. So I've got 45 minutes to talk to somebody, a yeah. big person. I can't talk to them about every chapter and verse. Yeah, you know, people will come and say something. Why didn't you ask him about uh, Rowan Island? I mean, when was he on Rowan Island? Uh, no, I have to focus. What do, I, what do I want to get out of this thing? And sometimes we, we, you, 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 know, you plan with all the best laid out plans. It depends how a person answers you that you will make the interview. And... There's so much I want to ask you just,
1: just off of what you've said. Let me start with, because I'm also interested in the, the Ramaposa thing and, yeah. and further understanding that. But with your interviews, I mean, you've, you've made a name for for some of the most interesting and hard-hitting and viral interviews. Yeah. And it's, it's not easy on, on TV in this day and age to, to do something that catches the attention of yeah. the whole culture. Um, do you have a method for your interviews and how you prepare them? One of the things I've have only started to learn with interviewing is you can have all the plans in the world for where you want a conversation to go, yeah. right? Like you yeah, have, okay, I've got ten points, yeah. and then someone goes in a different direction, but that's interesting. So then you think. Well, now, so you have to be—you have to have a plan, yeah. but you have to also be open to listen Absolutely. while you're thinking. Take us through your process, because you yeah. clearly yeah. understand how to have good interviews.
0: It's interesting, and I don't take that credit. I think that one of the first of all, I'm not a journalist. I need to emphasize this. People don't understand what that means. I've got a lot of career going on somewhere else, <laughs> except on media. But what happened is that I was given a chance by giving Mkariri to say, come and do this show, this controversial show, because we're tired of being nice, just come and do this. Mm. And this was out at the back of my book, Let's Talk Frankly, where I really talk to politicians directly and tell them what I think. And that was the whole issue to say, I'm going to go on air, I'm going to be myself. So I'll talk on air with my guests, like I talk to them off air. You know. So, so that was a conscious choice on your part. Yeah. So we're going to talk yeah. to them, like mm. I'll talk to them off air. Mm. So I meet Kweraman at the... Say a lounge, and well, there's only the two of us there. Yeah. And if you're you a fly on the wall, it would be exactly how I would talk to him if he came to, to, to the show. Because I ask him things that he may not expect, and then just you know, keep it going that way. And not necessarily a script. So when I started radio,
1: yeah,
0: because I was nervous, and this is the first thing, and so on, my, my producer, Bongi Skosana, is mm. one of the best producers I've ever had. I found her there at Power. So we, 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 we are very aligned. And that's also important. Mm-hmm. You and your producer must be aligned so that you don't have to be arguing every day about who to have, why to have, why are you having having so and so. So that's the first really uh, big method thing. So we we'll would sit down and say, this year, uh, over the next three months, these are the people we want and this is why we want them. It's not always aligned to the calendar. Because, for example, if we had planned to, to have him that three months, but he came six months later. So one day you would wonder, well, why are they interviewing Mokoing? Because we are not trying to, to follow the news cycle. Yeah, yeah. Although that sometimes helps the interviews to make it topical. But sometimes somebody hasn't spoken. Uh, you know, I don't know when last you had uh, Ronnie Castle speaking, for example. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so he's, he'll be on my show in February. Uh, you know, and we've already said the date, and it's like 22nd February. Yeah. Now, on that day, there may be a breaking news story. And the channel may think, why are we talking to Ronnie Casteros? But you never know what may happen in that regard. So we trust our, our own process to say we are bringing out South Africans who don't talk often to come and talk and share their perspective. Secondly, we are not guided or prisoner of the news cycle. So, uh, But we can always find a way to that person to comment on the news cycle. So, uh, uh, you know, Nkosana Dlamini Zuma came to the show uh, and, you know, even the, the channel was, saying, why is the person coming to the show? You know, you know, during the, uh, ahead of ANC conferences, you always have contestations about who must come, who hasn't come. So that, that's, we're not excluded from that. So I said, no, no, she must come, we'll hear what she has to say. She was a contender, last time she's a contender now. During her interview, the Palapala story broke, that the president has a case to answer. Now, you couldn't have planned that. Yet she was on air the following day because of the show commenting on that issue. So the method there is to say, trust in the process, we're having a national conversation. Some days may be exciting, some days may be boring. But we are true to the mission, in a sense, to try and unlock the uh, the, the, the debates in, in South Africa. I was, about, I was about to say to you, when I started, I used to have what you call the 10 tough questions. Mm-hmm. So we brainstorm with the producer and we come up with these 10 questions. I want to ask him one, two, three, four. Okay. Right. Yeah. Half the time, we don't even get to question five. Yeah. Right. <laughs> For two reasons. One is that you may realize or not, this is no longer relevant, or mm-hmm. they have answered them already. Mm-hmm. So if you can't ask them again, one of the things that I pride myself is nobody has ever said to me in an interview, maybe it's still coming, mm-hmm. but I've already answered that. Or if you listened, you would have heard that I've already answered. You know, you don't want that. So you need to be, you have your, your, your wits about you on that one. So we then decided uh, after a year of doing this, we abandoned that style. We just said, going I do a broad research, uh, if we are lucky, like in this instance, we have a researcher whose full time job is to research. So, so say, I'm interviewing Dr. Mpof Welsh. Mm-hmm. Uh, just look up his background, what things he said before, is there a clip we can use, that's interesting, we make a list, they come and give you a pack, that can then become like something you can fall on but it's really only a backup right, so we are now at a point where we are saying, we've got nothing to prove per se we are just doing a a job of stoking conversations that's why on my current show we call them conversations that build right, how can we take this country forward Let's talk about a variety of things. doesn't mean we want to hold you accountable. So I've got two types of shows. There's one show where I hold somebody accountable. So it's like a hard talk type of thing. And there's another show where we, we, uh, we bring elders so that we can tap into their wisdom. And uh, we we put them on a nice royal couch, and we we have a, a, a you know an easy chat. It's, sometimes it can go wrong, like in the Mujahid interview. We try to call him to honor him for finishing his term as chief just and he started to fight, yeah, yeah. and we fought with the media through us and what you know. But it's, so it's not. You, you have to take the good with the bad sometimes.
1: That's another thing that that people don't appreciate is that if you do an interview and maybe someone else wanted to interview that person and then different people in the media start talking and Absolutely. and you have to deal with this background noise of you know Absolutely. people having an opinion on what questions you asked, the tone you adopted, why you invited that person and not this person, and you've got to hold that all while trying to drive your your agenda. Yes.
0: But I was be, before I, I comment on that, was that's an important issue because the reality is. Uh, that person can be interviewed by all the in this case all the three tv channels sure. and we get different things from 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 there right so i don't you know spend too much time worrying about what people may or may not see i do listen so that you know maybe some in the future you can improve this you can improve that yeah. but the bottom line is to be yourself secondly i'm conducting it as a conversation and not an interrogation per se mm-hmm. that way I don't uh, have qualms about the fact that I've, well, the time ran that I couldn't ask the following 10 questions. That person will come back. Almost all my guests are return guests. Because even though it took time to get them there, once they are there, they realize, oh, it's not so bad. Because unlike when they are on bongani Bingo for five minutes, <laughs> I've got 45 minutes, so they've got time to explain themselves. And there are t- t- two breaks in between, and we talk in between the breaks sometimes. Yeah. You know, depending on how tense or not tense the interview is, yeah. you know. So, so it's important that you, everyone, you're authentic, you are yourself. Yeah. And you conduct it. You're not trying to be a reddit Or uh, who's the other uh, tough journalist who used, to, uh, who used to do third degree? Deborah Pat. Deborah yeah, sure. Those are their own people. I'm, that's great for them. That's great for them. I'm my own, yeah. right? Um, yeah, the other thing I want to talk to about, about this thing of these 10 tough questions. Yeah. I always give this anecdote. Uh, In a few years ago, uh, when Bekele came back as minister, remember he was fired first as commissioner, then he came back as minister. He was now my guest, and I was very, very prepared. I um, I read up the whole crime statistics, the latest ones, right? And the way I structured my interview was that I was going to take each statistic and interrogate him, murder, close contact, crime, whatever, right? And with their numbers and then show that uh, these things are out of proportion with the resources they're spending. So I was really quite, if you like, overprepared for the interview. Yeah. Question one. Why is it that you, th- you give us statistics over, over time? They used to have this averaging of statistics. They won't give you what has happened the last three months. They give you what happened the last five years and then come and give you a, a rosy picture. Sure. He just said to me, those statistics are fake. <laughs> <laughs> I said what? Yeah, it's just not they're fake. They fake these things, man. Because remember, now he's coming with enthusiasm yeah, yeah, yeah. of now you know having rec- reclaimed his power and so on, and he's free to talk now, and he's no. It's good, but I told you they're fake, so it means I had to abandon my whole last uh, uh, my whole line of question mm. and talk about something. As fortunately with the SABC, my, my show called it was just called Frankly Speaking. There, it was only 24 minutes. It was very short, you know, Just 30 at half past eight, nine o'clock is finished, including. So I had time to breathe and try to find, figure out, what the hell am I going to ask? But you know, uh, Begit Gal is an interesting character. I can move now to go and interview him, you know, and the, the interview will happen because he talks nonstop, so he, he, he tends to make it easy for an interview. And most difficult interviews is the person who answers with short questions and, and looks, listens to you and keep quiet, yeah, one word. and you are in trouble.
1: I once had this interview when I was standing on, on on radio. The first place I stood in on radio was for yeah. you, yes. at Power yes. Perspective. Power yeah. um, and I stood in at, at 702 as well for a while. And, and uh, I had one interview where this person was just looking out the window, <laughs> giving me one-word yeah. answers. And the way you rack your brains for, like, what what's the next question, yeah. what's the Hopefully next thought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so to come back to the, the president yes. uh, and that interview... Mm-hmm. What was his demeanor like? Because, again, we see it via camera, but yeah. now he's sitting there. What could you glean from from the way he answered the questions? What was he like with the other journalists? I I haven't uh, seen the president in person a lot. I've, okay. I don't think I've ever met him face-to-face unless when I was very young. But I remember seeing him at the Marikana Commission um, because I was there just watching, and... He was facing lots of difficult questions that, that day. Um, and I'll never forget his calmness. He was just, I mean, it was a tough, tough day for him. Like, it could have gone either way. And he came in and he just, he just exuded a certain calm where you realize this person has been doing this for a long time. Um, what were your impressions?
0: It was interesting because, uh, 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 so because one of the big questions I had was, how is this going to be different? Because it was like the second time I'm interviewing him. Yeah. Uh, it's actually a prestige in the, in the newsroom when they are selected to do that. Oh, sure. So it was the second time this happens. Uh, they could have given it to anybody else, but they insisted I do it. So I was wondering, my God, I was under pressure to say, how will this be different? Mm. He was different this time because he, he came back with a lot of confidence from winning Nazarene, Nazarene 2, so to speak. Yeah. So he was able to, to have a more, if you like, a very more confident banter. Even before the interview, by the way, we made jokes because he had promised that he was going to come to my show a year ago and it didn't come. So I said to him, well, it looks like it's an anniversary of our promise to each other. No, I know. I, it I know, but I try to, to just focus on my job to say, please, when can you come? Even now, in this interview, at the end, I said to him, can we repeat that promise? And he says, no, 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 it's, it's up to you how you execute the promise, but I promise to come, you know. So I don't know, I, I don't have hope that he will come, especially with the Palapala pala thing. Even now, this I suspect they wanted to cancel this round of interviews because they knew what they we were going to ask. The first thing on the agenda is how are we dealing with the Palapala pala thing, you know, and, and if you didn't ask, that, then you're not asking what your viewers are really looking for, right, because how does 44,000 delegates just not, discuss this matter for for, for weeks, as we had seen. The NEC kicks it to the conference, the conference kicks it back to the NMMA. You see, he couldn't couldn't answer. But I think, more to your point, he was very, very confident. I think, in fact, he's underrated in as far as being able to engage publicly, Mm. which is a pity because his team doesn't seem to get it right, that he must regularly be in front of journalists and answer questions, because I think, in fact, he can. Right? Obviously, there needs to be a lot of work that, that, that precedes the interview. And I'm not talking about preparing for the interview. I'm talking about just being briefed. You know, I don't think he's, he was kept adequately brief on the ESCOM thing, because if you think about it, he's now cancelled his trip to Davos, right? which, which suggests that was he given more information, before last week, because this crisis... As I was interviewing, me, we were on stage four, load shedding. Right? And he was busy trying to make a joke of it. Doesn't no, no, actually, I'm not wanting to comment about every man and their dog. I want to comment about ESCOM. Right? The CEO was poisoned two days prior, or at least the story about that broke. He had never said anything about it. He had never said anything about Andre Tiraita's resigning. He had never said anything about his ministers fighting over many things, including... A, a, the position of Andrei Dereta, so it's not like we're asking him to comment about everything. We're just asking him to be serious, not
1: the you
0: know. So fast forward a week later, he's cancelled divorce. He's calling meetings with polit- opposition political parties. Now it was thorough planning of this crisis. Those are the things you should have mentioned last week. To say I'm taking this seriously. In fact, in a week's time, I'm meeting political parties. I'm meeting the yeah. the energy whatever it's called crisis committee. You understand? So it looks like there's a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction to the current crisis. I'm, I'm, maybe we were saying this because maybe we don't know the detail. But at least from those rounds of interviews, both mine and the others, he didn't seem to be too bothered. He even said to me something like, that's why I have ministers. Why do you want me to talk about this? Now, does he not have ministers now? He should, have, should just go to Davos and say, I've got ministers. But he didn't do that because he can realize that now the country is getting fed up by the day.
1: And that's where I'd like to move Because look South Africa has been in a crisis for a long time It's actually difficult to remember the times When we weren't in mm. serious Political, economic, social crisis But this year We've just awoken to this Complete collapse Of, of ESCOM And it feels like The demoralization of the nation Is at an, an all time High um, What's your assessment of where the country is right now and, and where the Ramaphosa presidency is right now?
0: There's a lot of demoralization from, from, from all sorts of angles. We will need a whole day to talk about them. But let me pick this whole issue about, uh, if you like, the moral state of collapse. Or the, the, so the, the, we're in, a, in a, a moral collapse. In other words, where anything goes type of thing. You know, um, I don't have a lot of time for John Steen Hazen, but you know, uh, his speech in parliament, I think, was quite seminal uh, ahead of the Palapala vote. You know, and this is what I had been saying for a while to say, what's the difference between Palapala and Nkanda? There's no difference. Right? The, the NC did exactly the same thing. You know, uh, in the face of many reports, they went to parliament and voted down the Nkanda report until the Constitutional Court had to say to them, no, but you've got to do the right thing. Mm. Right? And you would think, as John Stein was referring to this, you would think that they, the agency would then learn from that, to say, hey, being a majority in parliament doesn't mean we can easily just sweep something under the carpet. Mm. So we're back to that cycle, and I won't be surprised if uh, the, the parties decide, okay, majority rule is, as trumped us now, but let's go to the court yeah. and insist that Romposa must account. Mm. For example, now uh, besides the parliamentary process, you got the, the integrity commission, which was established exactly to take us out of this uh, morass of you know you know moral collapse, because people will say, oh, I'm innocent until proven guilty, mm-hmm. oh, but what about the moral question? So unfortunately, we are at that point, and a lot of people, me included, in 2017, mm-hmm. we sighed a, a relief, a collective relief that Ramaphosa came instead of NDZ, because we saw NDZ an extension of JZ. Yeah. But, um, but we are now disappointed. And, and that's why I'm saying there's a despondency. Yeah. Uh, and the moral collapse is, it fuels that. Because how will Ramaphosa say to Guedemondashe, please resign? You should have said that to him long ago, by the way. Mandashi is a central figure, or maybe not so central, but it was one of the figures mentioned in the, in the Busasa debacle within the state capture. And apparently they installed cameras at this house and he doesn't know. He's not aware of it. It sounds like Zuma all over again. You know, people build a 260 million run wall around your property. You have no idea. You know, you just walk in and out and you see people very busy. You know, uh, but you don't ask them. So where they, doesn't know that his houses have cameras from Busasa. they were not paid by the, for the, by the state they were paid because they wanted to buy his, his favor as secretary general that's the person who is a champion of the NC today do you think Ramaphosa is going to discipline that person now? Af- especially after the role that Gwede played to keep him in power same thing right? he should have resigned long ago he should be far away from a public office far She's in the heart of it. In fact, she will be running the ANC for all intents and purposes. But that becomes a shield now. Both him, both rather, and Gwede are shielded by the fact that they now propel Ramaphosa to power and it will be silly for Ramaphosa to talk about discipline in them. What will that then happen? That will collapse discipline. You know, and I asked him a straight question in an interview to say, are you worried about the discipline in the ANC that everybody seems to be doing their own thing? Your own ministers can just... Sure, a middle finger. I mean, you know, not exaggerating. I mean, Minister Susulu told the president in no uncertain terms that he's a liar just a few months ago. We understood that there was a strategy that let's leave him alone, leave her alone so that she doesn't campaign using the fact that she's a victim. And so, you know, the whole Zuma playbook of victimology. Yeah. But now the state excuse is gone. Ramaposa has now been reaffirmed by the ANC. Is he going to act against? Susu, let's talk about Susu specifically. Let's forget about Jay's and uh, because you could say she voted according to her conscience, and in fact, we support that you are supposed to vote. Everybody else was supposed to vote like that, but this one who ran away even from the vote, right, has been insulting the president the whole year. It's untenable. In a cabinet, you, you're not supposed to be able to know you can. You have people who can rely. You can rely on in terms of your brother, agenda, etc. And that decorum between president and minister has been broken long ago. And it would be very bad uh, for for, for Ramaphosa to keep her uh, for whatever political unity reasons or whatever else. So back to your question, for me, that's the first thing, the the first definer of where we are. Moral collapse, corruption is is getting worse, not better, under under Ramaphosa, unfortunately. Uh, The only tinkle of hope was the NPA. I don't know what your view is. But um, I don't think they have done what they promised three or four years ago in yeah. terms of...
1: Yeah, I think it's been yeah. dramatically underwhelming. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I, in terms of the big fish, I don't Absolutely. you. you don't, don't give me some petty thieves here. I want the big fish. I'm with you, <laughs> and I think there's also a
1: difference yeah. between... Administrators and even people who ran SOEs, so CEOs and politicians. Yeah. So yes, we've seen some people like Brian Mollet, for example. But yeah. Show me a senior ANC politician. Exactly. That has been in court. I, you won't find it.
0: Actually, I, exactly what I said to him to say, and he was saying, no oh, sometimes we get it right, sometimes we get it wrong and this." But no, mostly you get it wrong because he has been a report apparently, and I may get the number wrong, but there's a lot of. A long list of ANC people have been mentioned in that report. Yeah. Right. Are you telling me the president couldn't find one person to fire, just one to say, sorry, yeah, not in my cabinet? Yeah, not under my, as I said to him, under your nose. You know, there are people there who uh, are there at your behest. They're not there because of uh, labor law, CCMA, and what. You can say to them, sorry, you gotta go. That way you send them a, a better message about being serious about discipline. So far, he called a family meeting, told us what SIU must do, NPA must do, the hawks must do. Which
1: Zondo had already said they must do.
0: Yeah, you know, and when it comes to what he must do, he says, I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> you know, I mean we're perishing a year since the report has been out. He asked, he kicked the thing, the ball to the middle of the air and then kicked it further on because of the ANC conference so that he doesn't seem to be polarizing those he was going to support. Because if you were to act, by the way, you would get rid of my friend Zizi. I got a lot of time for this, but sorry on this one. you would have to ask Guetta to resign. Ask to resign. Those three, that are in his immediate purview. He doesn't need a long process on that. He doesn't need anything other than moral courage. Unfortunately, we are running out of leaders with moral courage. So those, for me, that summarizes the crisis. We're in a leadership crisis. We're in a moral collapse crisis. Those things are fueling the bigger economic crisis. Because once you don't, you have this shifty way of approaching things. Why must I think you're going to have a, a backbone on dealing with economic difficult questions, you know, ideological questions that relate to the economy? tackling big business and getting them to do what they're supposed to do. All of those things, people are not going to laugh when you try and exercise authority on those things, when you fail at things that are immediately in your purview.
1: Absolutely. And I think one of the things that's been interesting to me about the Ramaphosa presidency, I have this theory that the Zuma presidency was about private interests capturing the state. But the Ramaphosa presidency was about the state capturing private interests. Mm-hmm. So Ramaphosa very successfully captured key elements of the media, um, captured key elements of civil society, and brought them on side within the state agenda. Um, sure, there were exceptions and all of that, but in doing that, he shielded himself from the kind of criticism that other presidents have have received. And suddenly... We sit here five years later and realize there was an accountability vacuum, and now look where we are. Um, and there's been some criticism on those of us who work in the media space that we, we got wrong-footed. We got, uh, we got dribbled yeah. by President Ramaphosa. He allowed this idea that just just give me some time, give me some space, don't put the pressure on, and all will be fine. And now we have been complicit in the media in allowing that sense of unaccountability.
0: No, we have been. You know, we have been. I mean, you should have seen how a problem might be dealt with us as collectivism. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe we have come to a point where an official of the agency can just come and insult to uh, together in a meeting and there will be no consequence about it. There will be no cry from SANEF. There will be no... So, so that accountability of vacuum shows it's not the only place where it shows, but in the, in the, in the interaction of the media, it shows that we, we have not made enough noise that... Uh, as a fourth estate, is not a favor for a head of state to come and address us regularly. It's not a favor that he should go to the major news uh, news outlets from time to time, knowing that those uh, news outlets are being followed by millions of people who are his constituents, right? So at the moment, it's like it's all a favor. You know, he can come, he may not come. So I'll come to your show for two hours. It's a year later. He doesn't think there's anything wrong. He says, Oh, the promise still stands. So he may get out of office even before coming to talk to us. Right? Um, so so uh, uh, if you look at the other presidents, the, the same theme has been there, unfortunately. There's no culture in the presidency, whether it be that of Zuma or Mbeki or even Mandela. Right? Uh, Mandela may be a slight exception because we're still in the euphoria. But otherwise, all the other presidencies, they, they behave the same way as royalty of some sort. They can't be accessed. I mean, a lot of people, another criticism I'm getting is, but why are you interrupting this guy? I said, why shouldn't he be in there? He interrupts my life every day. He's <laughs> loochating. <laughs> so I'm going to interrupt you. That's part of my my style. It's not always perfect. But it, it, it says, you work for me. You understand? We, there's a lot of difference but right, in the media to politicians and ministers not just even to the president if you watch some of the ministers being interviewed you you would swear that you know they 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 agreed on questions before mm-hmm. because an obvious follow up doesn't 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 happen mm-hmm. and then you wonder why, why 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 was that question not asked and you you're not able to get you are not able to get, the, able to get a, a, a clear answer so that vacuum of accountability has been there i don't buy the story that the media necessarily was captured I think sometimes we as a medium also take responsibility for uh, being being unable or unwilling to push the boundaries when it comes to trying to get something out of uh, uh, politicians. And we don't all have to be investigative journalists to do that. Sometimes it's just basic questions um, and culture that we have allowed to sleep in. For example, there are some ministers who will never do interviews. I don't know when last you saw Minister Mkwanamashawani ma- my, ma- my, 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 doing an interview about gender-based violence, the scourge that's killing us in this country. That's a full-time job. I don't know whether when last you saw a full-on interview with a dd a Mabuza. A Mabuza has finished his term of office without doing a media interview. Five years Who's there to blame? It's us who are to blame because we've we've never pushed to say, "Government, sit here. Let's discuss this thing about how often you are going to get your ministers to come and talk to us." You know, Togodi does the same thing. It, it, she's in charge of a most critical area of our lives, which is uh, to do with food security and agriculture, and what doesn't do interviews, right? And we've just kind of accepted it as normal at this point. It's, it's accepted as normal. You know, it's accepted as normal. They would come on their own terms. You know, I don't know whether you saw my spat with uh, uh, Tulas Nisi. No. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, I sort of uh, had a tiff with him, and then he went to the BCSA to say, this is beyond the freedom of expression. Mm. You know, people sometimes get ro- rubbed the wrong way with my rent, mm. and where I just tell them where to get off. Yeah. Then she, he went to the CMA asking me to withdraw, and then the, he lost, and they told him, but you're a public servant. Mm. Did he need the BCSA to tell him that? Yet, yeah, two, uh, uh, two weeks ago, I bumped into him flying out of Mangaung. And then he, he said to me, I'm, I'm ready to come now. Now that he has something you know, good that he thinks he has done, mm-hmm. he now is ready to come. Of course, he's welcome. But it just shows you that uh, sometimes the, 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 the leaders have taken a posture that they are in charge, yeah. you must wait. Right. Hence, I had to remind uh, 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 somebody like Minister Osulis, but you are a public servant. It shouldn't be so difficult to talk to you. You, know, uh, you represent me, and uh, if I want to ask you questions, surely it shouldn't be such a difficult thing. But it's a, I can mention many. There are lots of ministers, and they are these people are full-time media liaison officers, full-time spokespersons, full-time people who are head of communication. So one wonders, what do these people do? on a day-by-day basis with so much contingent of media trying to knock at the door all the time and being told, no, sorry, can't, can't be done. So, so in summary, they say there's a culture of lack of accountability, and, and I'm not saying the media alone has to do that. There are civil society organizations that want to meet these people. There are ordinary people who want to meet them, right? And it just doesn't happen. Just recently there was a new community in the that's been abused by the mining industry. According to the mining charter, communities are supposed to be given a certain percentage of shares in any mining operation uh, as part of the social labor plans, or I don't know what they're called, social, social plans, that, uh, that are licensing conditions for the mining. And what the, the, the common refrain, and there's lots of communities, over 15 mines that are operating in that era. None of them have complied. With making sure that those communities receive the 15% or the 5% that's entitled to them. Yeah. Secondly, there are some communities on whose land these mining companies have gone to mine without give, parting with one cent to the title deed holders of that land. The common refrain was We have been writing to the Minister of Minerals forever and he has been dismissive and arrogant to us. That was a common refrain, mm. and it's not new. If you remember what happened to that, uh, there was a, a mining situation also in the Eastern Cape, or I don't remember the. No. Olobeni. Olobeni, yes, yeah. right. Same theme, right? Yeah. That the, the, the uh, minister of minerals sided with multinationals mm. against the community. In the Shell case as well. There's yeah. still that Shell case, but there's also been the Lily Mine case. Mm. Three black bodies are at the bottom of a mine for more than a 1,000 days or something. The minister doesn't think there's anything what He says, actually, in, in one, you know, doorstop interview, well, you know, what do you expect me to do? I need an investor who can put money. I'm told that to extract those bodies it's, it will cost about 120 million rands. Right? The Mineral Council has about 25 CEOs sitting there with their change. Those CEOs can dig up that boat if the minister just told them to do that. To say, guys, you got your licenses that are coming up. I expect you to do something socially responsible. Right? I can promise you now, and I've said this many times, if there was a, a mine manager there, a white mine manager who was stuck at the boat, they would have spent that $120 million, even just at that mine. In a, day. In a day, the government would have spent, they would have found that money, And dug up that, but those three black lives—they don't matter. You see, this is the sentiments, and we can't, you know, sort of squeeze all the sentiments in this one hour interview. But that's what people are feeling. They're feeling robbed. They're feeling betrayed.
1: We're now confronting a watershed election, by all accounts, three decades into this democracy. We now have an election in 2024 where a lot of this is going to come to a head. How are you thinking about the 2024 election? It seems like we're on the eve of one of the biggest and most
0: important campaigns in our history. Yeah. When I get that question, I often wonder whether it's, uh, it's, it's the wish of whoever is asking me. And because I ask that a lot. Okay. Because I think South Africa needs a change. But I'm not sure whether the ingredients are in place for that change to happen. I'll tell you why. In 20, if you remember, even the 2019 election, there was a frenzy to say, this is it. It's going to go down. We're going to use our vote and our power to get the NC out. Because the, the same set of facts are still in place, that the NC is disappointing people. In 2019, it was after 25 full years of democracy. This is what's going down now. Next year, we'll say 20, 30 years. Actually, to be exactly on the stroke of 30 years of democracy, South Africans haven't made the switch from loyalty voting to "Let's vote for you because you are competent to do this." Right? That's why the 2019 elections' the outcomes were the same as the previous one. We have got NCDA, AFF, and then the rest. Almost in almost similar proportions. There's, there isn't, and now, of course, we've got new, some one or two new players for the coming elections, but it's all a splinter, you know, a splinter of existing parties. Right? So EFF split from the ANC, as COPE did, as UDM, as IFP, as PAC. Like right? Not, nothing original. So it's a, a, a chip of the old block, Right. Action uh, SA is a chip of the DA, you know, and I you know that I MN mean, may not like to hear that, but that's reality. We, all, we only have to look at the, 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 the what the so-called Senate of Action of, of SA. It's half of the people there are from the DA. The chairperson of that party is actually a former DA person. In fact, uh, according to um, uh, Dr. Kosa, who, who left in a half, he says actually he's the guy who's running the place. So a white cabal is running the place, according to that, because I can't argue with her. she was there, she experienced it. I've got a lot of time for my shower, by the way. But I'm not sure whether his movement is enough to debase the ANC. Right? Sure. Yeah. So unfortunately, we can hype ourselves up, but change will come, but it will not come as fast as we want. If you look at the local government elections, uh, that has never happened that the ANC gets... Uh, you know, to 45, yeah. uh, that's, that's that's like far from 50. Mm. right? Uh, unfortunately, there's not a real reflection of how the national vote may come out. The ANC has a way of coming out and remobilizing people because because of its patronage. A lot of people are thinking, my God, if these people get out of power, I'm in trouble. And so when moments like this come where the ANC is facing a possible loss of power, they have, they have a way of remobilizing people to make sure that doesn't happen. Interestingly, in 2009, uh, when Cope was uh, mm. the first sort of split of that significance. Yeah. Which you so Absolutely. But Lula, right, at that point, the, the, the campaigner, the chief organizer, I don't know what they called it, but he went out of his way through... Everything at making sure that that co-project doesn't succeed, right? He's now general secretary, and he's he feels, in my view, that he's going to go toe to toe with a Julius Malema. You say how how best can I dip into my youth league days, the way that we used to organize and and save the ANC? So we may be faced with an ANC that wins again, even albeit by a small margin. Um, because the because the opposition, unfortunately the opposition is not organized no,
1: I, 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 I hear you. you, I was I was talking to a former I was talking to, some. Let, let me not give it away who I was talking to, but I was talking to someone in our politics yeah. and remember there was that thing that people were laughing at with Ramaphosa and uh, fixing a road by putting a small thing into a pothole and driving over yeah. it or whatever and this person was saying you laugh and many people laugh, but you don't understand this the wisdom of this within this constituency. And the ANC knows its constituency, they know how to hold on. Um, and, and I'm with you. I'm 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 also scared myself, um speaking for me, that there's there's a lot of talk of, of change, but we underestimate the extent to which the ANC is embedded in the political consciousness in South Africa. I, I, have, I have always said, I think yeah. we have to send that message that you can lose power if you misgovern. So that's, I mean, that's how I think about 2024, but whether it will happen or not is not something I'm,
0: I'm sure of either way. I, I, I'm a big campaigner for change. And, and, and a lot of people would expect that between now and 2024, I'll be shouting my lungs out for the energy to get out. Right. But I've done that even the previously for the twenty nineteen elections, etc. Uh, at the end of the day, the opposition have to have a new strategy. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's too fractured, yeah. Right, which means that you're going to divide the vote. So, whether they can, uh, with the ideological difference or spectrum difference, mm-hmm. they could actually do a common front that says well, whatever are differences. We need an, a change. Uh, I don't know whether that will happen. The DA is still led by a white person after all these years, and is, he seems to be willing to hold on to that. The experiment of bringing in a black leader didn't work, but I, it's my view that they need to try and go back to that because if you look at this scenario where the DA gets a big majority in the coalition, right, Um and the ANC loses it means that we will be led by John Steen as president
1: we, we've actually we 've we've, we've spoken to a lot of people about that very question here on this show and
0: um, they 're also going to their Congress this year you no know, they are, but John seems to be determined to to return as leader instead of giving you know a young uh, dynamic black leader to at least give them a, a, a fighting chance of removing the plateau because they, they have plateaued. So they, you know, they could say, we've got the white vote. But even there, it's not guaranteed because they now have a radical uh, right uh, in the Freedom Front and so on, chipping at their votes. And this has happened over the last two elections. So, so that block of votes doesn't guarantee them power. But if they were to go back to saying the bigger constituency of votes is of all black people, so it makes sense to actually have a black leader. It doesn't matter. You can think it's racist and what. This is what is real politic yeah. right? here. They are not going to, uh, to manage because the other parties are going to use that, the fact that they are still led by a white person after 30 years, right, to decampaign them. And come the time where they must now sit as opposition parties and decide who's going to be president, even if the DA is, is number two, uh, it's it's likely that they are going to all vote against the DA in the president. They'll say we'll give him in the prison so yeah. but we are not going back to being, having a white right president. Unfortunately these are the red politics. No, sure. The, no, the DA, a- people are serious about governing South Africa. They have to start at their Congress now hmm. to put in place this whole theme of them hmm. chasing black leaders and black leaders hmm. flying off a bandwagon of the DA is actually not good for them. Yeah, uh, but you know, who's gonna listen? Is, is, yeah. is Helen's gonna listen to that? Is John Steele isn't gonna listen to that? Yeah. Or they are, they are, they are happy in their laughter. Mm. You know, these people were ready to give up Johannesburg instead of coalescing with the EFF mm. and the mm. NGS. Mm. Those people had to impose mayorship on them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is quite yeah. strange. I mean, you can never know <laughs> what <you're laughs> going to do next,
1: you know? Yeah, that's for, that's for you sure.
0: Impose a mayorship on somebody.
1: Mm.
0: You know, but send me a message that says, there's a need for a realignment of politics.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Outside the ideology. Mm. And I know that it's not an easy thing for a lot of comrades to to, to, to absorb. Sure. But we at that point, now, we must decide, do you want to be sitting in a dark line now? Mm. Or can we put a competent government in place mm. that will make sure that these sorts of things yeah. are, are minimized?
1: And that's part of what we've been driving a lot on this channel is it's all well and good to focus on the election and focus on 2024, for example, but are we having conversations about what the country looks like after the ANC, if that is in 2024 or 2029? And have we crafted a vision for, um, for that post ANC country, which goes from the constitution to the economy, to, you know, local government. It doesn't seem to me that that, that Vision is very fleshed out, either in the opposition, but even just in society. We haven't actually kind of prepared ourselves, even intellectually. You would think there would be intellectuals in the country saying, okay, this is the next stage of this of this project. But it seems like that conversation is still at a very early stage.
0: So there's a lot of, uh, uh, even racism in the way that we deal with migration. I was at the, on holiday somewhere in some lodge, mm. and the workers, they you know, found a way to corner me to say, hey, you have to help us because there are some white immigrants here who don't even have papers. But there are always home affairs come, come here, cars here coming to fetch a, a big envelope. Mm. Right? So if it's a black uh, uh, migrants and what, they must be shot and arrested and thrown out of the country and there's, you know, Mussolini, regardless with this border management committee and what have mm. you. And then you've got, it, it, it depends on your color. If you are a, a, a migrant from another European sure. country you don't have papers, you can actually be running an establishment, here yeah, and, 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 and bribing your way through mm. easy. Mm. It's all about resources. It's a whole trust divide that comes. So those are my three, key issues of building a new republic to learn from. It's not the totality of a vision, like you are correctly saying. Uh, And I don't think it's impossible for the current opposition parties Mm. to come together and say, outside the ANC vision, because fortunately the ANC has, has, has delivered to us a constitution that gives us a framework of what we need to do. It's not like they're going to scratch their heads and come up with crazy stuff that's not in the Constitution. Right? Yeah. And it's, 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 secondly, it's less about the policies. I mean, maybe one or two policies that are off. Mm. But generally, the policies that the NCS put in place are great. It's not the problem of, of the policy. It's the problem of making those policies real for ordinary people to survive. Well, Prof, uh,
1: load shedding has sabotaged us. Um, but thanks so much for sharing your insights, your analysis. Thanks for the work you do. I think part of this show is also elevating people who are doing great things and saying we see you, we see those difficult interviews and how they work
0: and, yeah. and uh, you know, keep up the great work. And Well, thank you. I, yeah. I'm, I'm quite honoured. To be interviewed by you oh. uh, It's not every day we're interviewed by an Oxford scholar <laughs> <laughs> I may ask you a very difficult yeah. Theoretical question no, And you may be stuck
1: <laughs> If you're interviewed by an Oxford scholar Make sure you're a professor
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, no, thank you And thank you for the work you're doing yeah. So um, you have to come to my show
1: any time, I'm ready. We so to it it's it yeah. gonna be soon. As long as it's not, uh, as long as you don't have ten tough questions for me.
0: No, I won't have any tough. <laughs> We're gonna to have one hour, and and actually, no, i I want you to come so we can honor you for the work that you have done. No, let's. It let's don't speak. be an interrogation about anything. We're yeah. coming to have this conversation on my show about Absolutely. what what next for the republic. Yeah. That will be the topic. Yeah. Thank you so done much. Deal. Thank you. All right.
1: Aye, aye the Seasway and, and Bolford Welsh Experience, Experience Podcast. Podcast. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah.